Texas. God bless. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I wonder if we can just lift up our hands and our voices to Him one more time. Hallelujah. We have much to pray about, but we have much to be thankful for. Lord, we love You, Jesus. We thank You, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. We love You. We love You. We love You. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. You are so, so good to us, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it is so good to be back in Newark, Ohio with you all. Amen. Praise God. This is um, one of those special places that you just, um, you're always blessed to be in. You dream about coming to. And um, truly, my wife and I, we've looked forward to it. Uh, all year long, we, um, it's one of the highlights of our year to be back uh, with uh, all the wonderful people here at Christian Apostolic Church. Amen. I like the way that sounds. Christian and apostolic. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I wish the whole world was Christian and apostolic. Yeah. Amen. So I... I Somebody told me once, well, then you wouldn't, ha you wouldn't have a job. I said, well, I'd be okay with that. Amen. The whole world was Christian and apostolic. Praise God. Hallelujah. I give honor to uh, your wonderful pastors, brother and sister Shostrand. They are truly uh, just unique individuals. They are a blessing, uh, not only to your church in this area, but across the whole fellowship. Amen. All across the world, they are just such a blessing. And we love and appreciate them so much. They are so kind to me and my family. Um, they've they, um, just extended uh, their arm out to us, and they have blessed us. They've given us an opportunity. Um, last year, they invited a young evangelist and his family to come and, and minister and I thank the Lord that I don't have to depend upon myself. Amen. But God will show up and He will show out. If we will just believe, do what we can do, God will take care of the rest. Amen. Hallelujah. How many are expecting great things from the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm thankful for an attitude of expectancy. This doesn't have to be just another Sunday, but right here, right now. Amen. God can move in a mighty way. Amen. Amen. And He can do more in just a moment than we can do our entire lifetime. So God doesn't, He doesn't have to take a long time. He can do a quick work. Amen. Praise God. I give honor to their wonderful family, brother and sister Post. Love and appreciate them. Sister Caitlin and uh, the... Well, wonderful Miss Tegan and Miss Siobhan. Amen. They are just wonderful little children. I remember distinctly last year telling Brianna, Joseph, I don't remember how old he was, probably one at the time. Um, I, if he can grow up and be like them, we'll be doing good things. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. He's still working on me. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, though, 
I am thankful for the Word of God. How about you? I'm thankful for the Word of God. Hallelujah. We were going to turn to the book of Psalm chapter 46. Amen. Book of Psalm chapter 46. I'm thankful for the Lord's direction. Thankful for His guidance. A whole lot has happened since we were here last time. January last year. A whole lot has changed in the world. Uh, Pastor mentioned it's still changing. A lot of uncertainty. Um, I feel like I have grown in the process. Hopefully uh, we all have in some way. But I'm thankful for a God that does not change. And He is not uncertain. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how crazy our world gets. Our God remains the same. And whatever's circulating or roaring up down here, everything is still the same at the top. And I'm, I'm comforted with that this morning. Praise God. In the book of Psalms, chapter 46, I just feel led this morning to read 11 verses, the entire chapter. But it's so relevant. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Praise God. Are you thankful for that this morning? That God is not far away from us in our trouble, but He's a very present help. Amen. They could have stopped right there and that would give me strength. That would comfort me. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. And then it has this word, Selah. That word Selah is an interlude. It's a pause or break in the musical progression. And I just briefly want to mention this morning how uh, about this Selah. You see, when Spurgeon was writing about this word, he noted that it was a timely pause or a precious moment. And the preceding verses, it talks about earthquakes and things moving and shaking and there's chaos and there's trouble, there's worry, there's anxiety. In the midst of all of this, we can get, we can become uh, confused, we can generate fear, we can be uh, anxious because our culture, our American culture is go, go, go. It's, com- it's always constantly uh, just going at a high rate speed and there's no slowing down. It's looked down upon to slow down, pause for a moment. But in the midst of our worry, our trouble, if we would just slow down and pause for a moment, reflect, reflect on all that God has done for us, His Word, His promises, reflect on these preceding verses here. Hallelujah. It does something for us. The Bible goes on to say, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her that right early. 
The heathen raised, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Think about it. God is with us. And God is our refuge no matter what we are going through. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations He hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. And although we're looking at the entire chapter of 46, I'd like to draw or emphasize on verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. In the midst of everything that's occurring, all this trouble, the storm that's raging, be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. Do we need any more assurance this morning? He could have stopped right there, but it goes on to say, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Uh, hallelujah. If I will just be still and know that He is God, trust in Him, God's going to get glory out of this. God is going to be victorious through the storm. The Lord of hosts is with us again. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know what that does for you, but oh, it's... It brings confidence to me. It stirs me. And so I want to preach to you this morning simple, but yet it's, it's needed in our time that God is in control. Praise God. God is in control. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. I ask that you let it break us, shape us, and mold us, Jesus. That our hearts and our minds will be fertile ground for your word this morning, Lord. That God, you would come into this place and do miraculous things. That you would touch the weary, strengthen, O oh God, those uh, that are weak, O oh Lord. That you would minister in this house and do what only you can do, Jesus. Help us to decrease so that you may increase. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus speaking, saying, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Thank God. And he goes on to say in verse 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I know what the enemy has come to do. I know what he has planned. I know what he is out to do. I'm thankful that Jesus did not stop there, you see. But in the same breath, he goes on to say that I am come 
that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Are you thankful for an abundant life this morning? That Jesus said, I know that the enemy is out to steal and to kill and destroy. He's out to destroy you. He's out to steal your joy, to take you away from God. But Jesus said, but I have come that ye may have life and life more abundantly. Praise God. And so there is no doubt that Satan does have a plan. Satan, he has his evil schemes and he's been doing it for a long period of time. But just as sure as Satan has a plan, I'm comforted this morning because God has a plan. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he goes on to say that I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Praise God. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, we'll find this again where Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He lets him know from the beginning that I know that Satan is out to get you. I know that Satan is out to sift you as wheat. I know what he has planned. And I echo the same words of Jesus today, almost 2,000 years ago, when I say that Satan desires to have you. He desires to have your family. He desires to have your church. He would love nothing more than to see you fall, never to rise again. He would love to see the church close its doors, never to reopen. Now Jesus being God manifested in the flesh, you see, He could have just told Peter, but I'm not going to allow this to happen to you. I'm going to refrain Satan from sifting you. But He didn't say that. If I am Peter, I would have appreciated that. But He didn't say that. Rather, I'm going to allow this into your life, Peter. I have a purpose. I have a reason. I have a plan. You see, we don't always completely understand. Most of the time, we will not understand everything that God is doing. We can't comprehend in our finite minds what, uh, why God will allow certain things in our life. Why God will allow certain storms out in the world. Or why God would allow a pandemic. Perhaps we will never understand. God's under no obligation to explain things to us. However, God knows what He's doing. And He's perfect at what He does. And Isaiah 55, you see, when we're in the midst of all this, we're in the midst of a pandemic, or we're in the midst of our sorrow, our trouble, our storm, Isaiah 55 and verse 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. And so you see, there's times in our life where we just have to be still and know that He is God. I don't understand what you're doing, Lord. I can't comprehend why would you, you would allow this. 
in my life, but I will trust in you. And I will hold on to my faith in some way, somehow. If I can just hold on to my faith in God, I can trust in you, Lord, that you're going to get glory out of this. Some way, somehow, I'm going to get through to the other side. And I believe it's worth noting what Jesus prayed for. He didn't say, I prayed for your strength. We love to depend on our strength to do things on our own. But you see, if you live any amount of time, you realize we get weaker and weaker. And we, 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 we can't always depend on our strength. And he didn't say, I prayed for your pride or your ego. And there's times we love to depend on ourselves and our intellect, our ego. But the Bible says your pride will bring you low. But Jesus said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fails not. And that tells me something this morning, my friends, that when I am in the midst of it all, I'm in the throes of my darkest hour, and the storm is raging, the enemy is coming in like a flood. I can't depend on my strength. I can't depend on the world. I can't depend on my government. But I can depend on the one that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. It's my faith, my trust, my belief in Him that's going to get me through the other side. That's going to get me through the storm and through my valley and through the process. I love what David said when he said, when my heart is overwhelmed. Take me to the rock that is higher than I. There is a rock this morning, my friend, that we can lean on. There is a refuge this morning, a very present help in the time of trouble. You're not on your own in this. You're not by yourself. You don't have to fight this on your own. God is here this morning to work on your behalf, to move in your situation. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you see, if you're like me, you like to plan things out. You like to, I like to write it out step for step. My wife will tell you I'm particular. I love it when things go the way I plan. It's comfortable. Pastor uh, and Sister Showstrand, they, 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 they do the, the colors test. I'm very green. Just a few numbers off from being completely green. And so, I, I get uncomfortable when things don't go my way or when things don't go as planned. But you see what I have had I've had to learn is because I'm so limited to what I control, my plans often go interrupted. And I think we all can relate to interrupted plans this morning after the last year and a half that we've been through. But you see God's plans don't get interrupted. Because he controls everything. And I'm reminded of a man in Scripture this morning who, whose plans were often interrupted. It seemed like his life was constantly being interrupted. And I want to note that this man did nothing wrong as far as I'm concerned. This man was faithful to God. He made the right decisions. He always done what was the best he could in the situations he found himself in. But yet things continued to happen over and over again. His name is Joseph, the son of Jacob. 
We know the story very well. He was the beloved son of Jacob. To express his love to his son, he creates for him a coat of many colors. And this coat, you see, and, uh, it brought envy, hatred into what we would call a dysfunctional family. His brothers hated him. Uh, they contemplated murdering him. But you see, God gave Joseph a dream. And in that dream, he sees himself being elevated. He sees himself being lifted up. And it was a type, it was a glimpse, it was a type and shadow of what was to come in his life. God was showing him, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for your life. And so there's been times where God's given me a specific word. There's been times when people I trust my life with call me up or say, God gave me a dream for you, Justin, and I receive that. And no doubt Joseph was human just like you and I. His mind, his everything was wired just like ours. And so what happens to me when I get a word from God, I envision how it is going to come to pass. And every time, I'm tiptoeing through tulips the whole way there. That there's not going to be any opposition. There's not going to be any obstacles in my way. I'm just going to go directly to my dream, to my purpose. And so, perhaps Joseph thought the same. I don't know. But I wonder what was going through his mind when his brothers pushed him down into that pit. And all of a sudden, a man that was supposed to be elevated, that was supposed to be exalted, was pushed down. And as he watched them rip his precious coat in half, and they mocked him and ridiculed him, perhaps told him, what about your dream now, you dreamer? Let's see what comes to your dream now. I wonder what was going through his mind when he was supposed to be exalted, but yet he was being pushed down. And it's at this juncture where some would give up on God, you see. They would question God, where are you, Lord, in this? I'm supposed to be elevated, but yet I'm being pushed down. This doesn't make sense. And some would leave God. But you see, this is one of those be still moments. And know that I am God. I will be exalted. And so Joseph held on to his faith in the Lord. And yet... He found himself sold as a slave in Egypt. And so his plan was initially interrupted. So he decided, I'll just work my way up out of this mess. I'll work myself up in the household of Pharaoh. And I'll go back to the land of Canaan one day. Be reunited with my father. And everything's going to be peaceful and good. But as he's working himself up, I don't know how long it took. And he gets to where everything is going good. Then suddenly... Potiphar's wife lies on him. He tried to mess with me. He tried to lay with me. And then all of a sudden, this man which, who did nothing wrong found himself thrown into prison. Now, he's not just a slave, but he's a prisoner in Egypt. And he keeps being pushed down further and further than before. You just have to be still and know that I am God, Joseph. And he's had a, a window of hope when he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. And I know you know the story, but I've got to tell it. 
When he, when he tells the butler, when Pharaoh raises you to his side, uh, he says, let him know there's an innocent man in this prison. I don't belong here. And, and he said, when he lets him know that, Pharaoh will pull me out and I'll go back to the land of Canaan and be reunited with my father. But what does the Bible say? That the butler forgot Joseph. You see, there may be times where you feel like you keep getting pushed down further and further. And there may be times where you feel like you are forgotten. But be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. And the Bible says two years go by. Two whole years. This was not a walk in the park. Two years he had to sit and he had to hope and he had to trust and he had to wait that some way, somehow God has not forgotten me. Some way, somehow God is going to turn this around for me. And then Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh needs an interpreter. And then all of a sudden it begins to make sense. Uh, you see it's coming into fruition. Uh, when Butler finally remembers there is a man in that prison who can interpret dreams. Uh, and he's innocent. Uh, and I'm thankful that Joseph was still there, you see. That Joseph didn't try to pave his own way uh, and try to make an escape out of that prison because God needed him to be in that prison. Uh, and so when God pulled him out of that prison, uh, I wonder what was going through his mind uh, when he realized uh, that that same prison that he found himself pushed down into would be the same prison that God would use uh, to exalt him. Uh, the same situation that the enemy tried to destroy him God used to bless him I'm saying if you hold on to your faith in God it may not make sense right now you may not can comprehend it in the moment but hold on to your faith and God can step into your mess and he can turn it into a miracle he can step into our hopelessness and pull out greatness because God is greater Greater is he that is in me. And then it all makes sense. Second in command over all of Egypt, you see. And we get the fruition, the revelation that he learns in the process when the patriarch Jacob dies after being reunited with his son again. And Joseph's brothers are fearful. They believe he's going to seek retribution and pay us back for what we did to him. And so they find themselves bowing at him and praying, uh, begging him to just be their servants. But Joseph says, I love what he says in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, he says this. Uh, he says, Joseph said unto them, fear not, uh, for am I in the place of God. Uh, retribution is not mine to seek. Uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, it's not our job to seek retribution, to pay back what people have done for us. Uh, but he did say, let me tell you what I did learn in the midst of it. Uh, as for you, he says, you thought evil against me. Uh, but God meant it unto good. He said, you tried to steal my dream, but God used you to bring me to my dream. You tried to take away my purpose, but God used you to bring me to my purpose. If you hold on to your faith in God, God can take, turn what the enemy has meant for evil, and he can use it for the good. So it doesn't matter.
matter what the enemy has planned. It doesn't matter what he wants to do to me and my family. He does not have the final word over my life because God is great. God can take a global pandemic and he can turn it into a global revival. I believe that. Well, it sounds good, Brother Henry, but it just, it, you know, my situation is too complex. There's too many variables. There's too, it's a mess. And I just don't see how God can get glory out of this. It's just too many imperfections in my situation. But I would say, since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God has not had the luxury of working with a perfect situation. And He has proven to us time and time again that He is perfect at working with imperfection. Meaning that He can take an imperfect man or an imperfect woman and use them to fulfill His perfect will. And He can take an imperfect situation and use it to fulfill His perfect will. Here's what we need to know. Our situation does not have to be perfect because God is perfect. And my situation doesn't have to be good because my God is good hallelujah and it's no wonder that Paul wrote in Romans 8 28 that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God who were called according to his purpose and I like the word good and the Greek is agathos and it also can mean intrinsically good. Which means it's not always about what's happening on the outside. That sometimes it's more about what's happening on the inside. That God may not be fixing my situation on the outside, but He's fixing something in me on the inside. And so friend of mine, just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path hallelujah hallelujah in Isaiah 44 and verse 6 this is powerful to me he says thus saith the Lord the king of Israel and his redeemer the Lord of hosts I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God he said there is no equal there is no adversary equal to me there is no other God I am the first and the last and in Revelations 22 and verse 13, the last chapter of the Bible, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I just want to throw this in there. Basic math tells me there cannot be two first, Pastor, and there cannot be two last. Are you thankful you know who Jesus is this morning? Hallelujah. But my point I want to draw out is this. When he said, I am the first and I am the last, the beginning and the end, this is what he was saying. It started with me and is going to end with me. I have the first word and I have the final word. I said, let there be light and I'm going to wrap this thing up so whatever happens in between, you can find comfort this morning that God has the final word over your life 
Hallelujah. Satan can rage and he can, he can uh, pick up everything and turn it upside down. All that he wants. If I will just hold on to my faith in God. He said, I am the beginning and the end. There may be times, you see, I don't know. Satan perhaps thought he got God. That he caught him by surprise in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Adam and Eve and brought sin into the world. But you see, God said, you, you, you may have thought you've gotten me, but let me remind you. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he lets him know. Uh, he says that the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head uh, of the serpent. Uh, you think you caught me by surprise. Uh, you think you messed things up. Uh, but I had a plan all along. Uh, it was a prophetic word uh, that one day Jesus Christ uh, would die on the cross. Uh, you may, you may uh, bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. God has always been in control. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. God is in control. And when Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, He was not just speaking alphabetically, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. He was speaking in reality. And this is how God works with me when I read His Word. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, this is what I am brought to when I think of Alpha. When he tells him, he says, before I formed thee in the belly, he said, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, he said, I sanctified thee. In other words, before the enemy ever knew you existed, huh? you existed in the mind of God. Huh? And before the enemy ever knew you had a name, huh? God said you already had a purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before the enemy could ever devise anything against my life, God had already ordained me for a purpose. And when I think of Omega, the ending, I'm brought to Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 when he tells the children of Israel in their darkest hour, when they were captives in Babylon, everything was stripped away from them. He lets them know, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Yes. That I have a plan for you in the midst of all this chaos. And it gets better than that because what it does for me, you see, you, you may be perfect, but I'm only here by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. The children of Israel were there because of their actions. They were there because time after time they chose to, to serve false gods and live in debauchery and sin rather than pursue Him in holiness. And so they were experiencing the judgment of God. They were uh, lying in the bed that they had made. They were facing the, the, the consequences of their actions. Uh, but I'm thankful that even though they had made mistakes, Sister Shostrand, and perhaps gotten way off track, uh, God still sent them a word uh, and said, I still have a plan for you. Uh, I still love you. Uh, and friend of mine, I come against a lie from the pits of hell this morning that says because you've made mistakes that God is done with you uh, that says because you've gotten off track that God can't get you back on it uh, he still loves you uh, he still desires you and God still has a purpose for you hallelujah 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 
in the book of Esther, we have a short book, 10 chapters in the Bible, and for time, we, don't, we can't read it all, but I would encourage you. It's such an encouraging book. We have a type and shadow here between Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai. Haman was essentially second in command over all the kingdom, essentially the world. And uh, he had everyone bowing at his presence with the exception of one man, Mordecai, a Jew. And Haman had a lust for authority, power. Lust has no limits. It's never satisfied. And so, <clears throat> it stirred hatred, wrath in his heart. And Haman said, not only am I going to kill Mordecai, but I'm going to devise a plan, you see, and I'm going to wipe all the Jews off the face of the kingdom. In one day's time, every Jew will die. And at that moment, Haman was directly trying to interrupt the lineage that the Messiah would one day come from. And God can't have that. You see, but when we use empathy, the capacity to place ourselves in one's shoes, and as we're reading the, the Bible, and it come, becomes more than words, and you place yourself in these situations, you read that the Jews were worried. They were weeping. They were wailing. They were fasting because the day had been set. The decree was signed. The signet ring was placed. Everything that the enemy had planned was falling into place. Everything that Haman had designed was working step for step. It seemed like the enemy was ruling the day. But for Mordecai, he said, I've got special plans for him. I'm going to build a gallow and I'm going to hang him on this gallow. And he and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'm, I'm going to go and tell the king in the morning that today I want Mordecai to hang on that gallow. But you see, it seemed at that moment, if I'm Mordecai, that the enemy was ruling the day. Everything was falling into place that the enemy had planned. And he needed God to step in and to move. He needed a miracle. But that's just what God does. Because that same night, the Bible says the enemy could not sleep. I mean, the king could not sleep. And so he asked for the Chronicles to be read aloud to him. And as they're reading, they would talk about an assassination attempt that was revealed and spared the king's life by none other than Mordecai. And then the king, he says, what did we ever do to honor and dignify this man? What did we do to bless him? They say, well, you, you didn't do anything. He says, well, today will be a good day. You see, we think sometimes that God is late. But I say He's always right on time. Because Haman was already in the house. He was already there to let the king know, today's the day I have designed to kill Mordecai. But what he didn't know was the same day he designed to destroy Mordecai was the same day that the king had planned to bless him. And the way authority works is it's one direction. It moves downward. And whoever has the higher authority has the final word in the matter. So what happens uh, when the enemy's plans uh, and the king's plans collide? 
What the king says goes. The king has the final word. And friend of mine, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And hell cannot change that. My government cannot change that. God has the final word. And Jesus said, I know the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and destroy. I know he has a plan. But in the same breath, Jesus said, I've got a plan of my own that you may have life and life more abundantly. You don't have to live in your sin. You don't have to live by yourself. There is a very present help. Hallelujah. If you'd stand with me, worship team, if you would come. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to leave the same way that you walked in. There's a very present help in trouble. God has had a plan all along that you may have an abundant life. Hallelujah. We can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and for the remission of our sins. And we can be filled with His precious Spirit and have Him living inside of us, taking His abode in me. Hallelujah. He had a plan all along. You may have thought that you were winning, Satan, when you pushed me to Calvary. You may have thought you were winning when I was crying out on that cross. I don't know when exactly it was, perhaps when Jesus said it was finished. And that veil was torn in two. Uh, Satan realized he made a mistake. And he's been paying for it ever since. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love what David said in Psalms 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I walk in the middle of a pandemic, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He said, I've got the presence and the protection of my shepherd. That's all I need. Hallelujah. And then verse 5 is perhaps my favorite when he says, In the presence of my enemies, thou preparest a table for me. Not on the seashores of peace, not on a mountaintop of prosperity. And the valley of the shadow of death. David said, you can still provide for me. In the midst of my enemies, in the presence of my enemies. God said, there's a table of provision for you. And so if you don't remember anything I say this morning, please remember this. Uh, David learned uh, that in the presence of my enemies, thou preparest a table for me. He learned that the enemy's presence does not hinder God's provision. That just because the enemy is there doesn't mean that God cannot move. Just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean there can't be a revival. You can still have a miracle. You can still see a victory. Because God is in control.
Would you lift your hands this morning right now? Hallelujah. I wish you would believe with me right now. I wish you'd lift up your voice. Let the enemy know that God has prepared a table for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, precious saint of God, you may be holding on by a thread right now. There is a table of provision for you this morning. There is a table prepared for you. Don't give up. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. You may be sitting in the prison tonight, Joseph, but if you hold on a little while, in the morning you're going to be sitting with the king. And friend of mine, I can't tell you when Jesus is coming back, but if you will just hold on right now, hold on to your faith in him, there's going to come a day we're going to sit at the king's table as one of the king's sons.